the Belated Binge Podcast. Hi, and welcome to the Belated Binge Podcast. I'm Zach, your host, deep diving the Harry Potter series, both what's on the page and what's not in this Lumos episode of the podcast. I didn't read these books till I was in my mid-20s, and my favorite thing about this fandom is the constant theorizing, the super interesting headcanons that people have come up with, and the countless opportunities there are for speculation about what's going on around our protagonist in this series. And that's what this episode is all about. Before we dive in, shout out to our free elf patron, Alex Swetlin, for cool benefits like episode shoutouts, early access, bonus content, and more, become a patron at patreon.com slash belated binge. Lumos. Lumos. Let's pull out our wands and light the tips, but we're not blowing smoke. We're here to illuminate. I think it's time for a Dumbledore check-in. It obviously was not a great chapter for our chess master. We're talking Cornelius Fudge and Chamber Secrets coming down to take Hagrid away to Azkaban and Lucius Malfoy showing up with a note from the school board to get Dumbledore suspended. That was definitely not on his list of things to do today, I would imagine. But here he is. It is what it is, I guess. And... There's lots of questions about where Dumbledore goes at this point after being suspended and no longer being at Hogwarts, so what's he doing? I'm guessing that I will theorize about that at some point uh, before this book is over, but up until this point, um, I kind of wanted to check in and see where he is in all of this, everything that's been going on with Chamber of Secrets. The school has been under attack. It's not the first time that this has happened. He knows who's responsible for it, and yet the one thing that Malfoy got right in the whole speech that he gave and justification for having Dumbledore suspended is that Dumbledore hasn't been able to stop the attacks happening in Hogwarts. So, here we go. In my opinion, this is what Dumbledore knows in the big picture at this very moment And maybe we can kind of figure out as we go uh, some more. He knows that Voldemort is still around and not dead. He, I think, already suspects Horcruxes being involved in some form or fashion. He knows the prophecy in that there's some sort of connection to Harry, some kind of uh, additional magic uh, in his scar, Um, based on his insistence in the very opening chapter of this series that scars can be useful. Uh, He knows that Tom Riddle is the heir of Slytherin and that he's responsible for opening the Chamber of Secrets 50 years ago. He has to know about Moaning Myrtle being in the school because everyone avoids that bathroom. He's got to know why. And he's Dumbledore. He's likely talked to Myrtle at some point in time over the past 50 years and gotten a description of how she died. Big yellow eyes, I believe, is the answer to that riddle. He knows that Tom Riddle spoke parcel tongue. He knows that Harry is hiding something. He knows that Harry also speaks parcel tongue. He knows that Hagrid is innocent and he knows about Harry's relationship with Hagrid and about his invisibility cloak. He knew all of that 
before the chapter started. So what about in the chapter? I think that he found Hagrid having to be taken away to Azkaban as an unfortunate opportunity in disguise. Um, Very unfortunate, but an opportunity nonetheless. Dumbledore tells Fudge that taking Hagrid away isn't going to do anything, Um, but he doesn't fight too hard to keep him around at Hogwarts when I think he probably could have. Um, I mean, I just mentioned earlier on the podcast that Fudge couldn't veto a note from the school board to suspend Dumbledore. I, I would think that Dumbledore has as much sway as a note with the minister. Uh, he probably could have stuck up for Hagrid a little bit harder. Um, but I kind of think that he wants to prove that taking Hagrid away is not going to stop the attacks. In his mind, Hagrid being away and the attacks continuing, as he knows full on that they will, it proves Hagrid's innocence. So while it totally sucks, after Hagrid gets released, he's going to be released with a cleared record, which will lead to more opportunities for him. Like, perhaps, teaching? That likely wouldn't be possible without this proof. So it sucks, but I do think that Dumbledore was thinking of this as the events were unfolding during the chapter. Um, I think Dumbledore absolutely knows that Harry is in the hut um, and is investigating all of this. He intends for Harry to be investigating this after all. Harry is Dumbledore's apprentice, his little hero in training. So he's speaking in ways that he wants Harry to hear. And I also think that he knows that Lucius is, for lack of a better term, a slimy scumbag. And I think he's letting this suspension play out in order to see kind of what Lucius's angle is and perhaps what, if any, involvement he might have on all of these circumstances coming together in this moment. So here's what doesn't make a ton of sense to me in this very moment. Um... What I've laid out is partially tainted by my having read the series before, but going back to the information Dumbledore already knows, he should have enough information to have made serious headway and apparently just isn't taking any action on, you know, the Chamber of Secrets being open and students, Muggleborn students, being attacked in Hogwarts. The Chamber of Secrets is real, Tom Riddle is the heir, both were Parcelmouths. He has to see that connection, and probably saw it originally. That might be why he was the only one that knew it was Tom 50 years ago opening the chamber in the first place. How does Harry speaking Parseltongue play into all of this? Know where I'm going? It's theory time. Dumbledore still doesn't know how Voldemort is managing to open the Chamber of Secrets again 50 years later when he's supposed to be gone. And with Myrtle's description, he may already suspect a basilisk being involved. What if he suspects Harry? Now, not that Harry is evil or that Harry's attacking anybody. He knows that that's not the case. We've already seen that bit in the book in his office when he's talking to Harry, but what if he suspects Harry to be under Voldemort's influence somehow? What if he's tying Parseltongue 
to the chamber, and the math is all equaling Harry Potter. I think that may be why he hasn't gone more on the offense, trying to catch and punish the guilty party who opened the Chamber of Secrets. I think he actually thinks there might be a chance Voldemort is using Harry somehow, and he doesn't want to catch Harry Potter and have Harry Potter be prosecuted as the heir of Slytherin and attacking students. The more that I thought about this as I was mapping out this episode, I'm really thinking and believing that the lack of clear activity by Dumbledore is to make sure he's protecting Harry. His ticket to killing Voldemort. Harry can't kill Voldemort from Azkaban. And there's so many Death Eaters in Azkaban. Harry might not last a week. If the Dementors don't get him, the Death Eaters might. I'm not really sure that the inmates have yard time in Azkaban, but he's a sitting duck in Azkaban outside of the protection of Hogwarts, which is a security nightmare, but supposedly the safest place in the world, and not to mention the blood magic charm on Privet Drive probably isn't going to hold too well if he's calling his new home Azkaban. This is the only thing that makes any sense to me to explain why Dumbledore seems to be doing nothing to protect Muggleborns in Hogwarts. He's protecting his asset. He's protecting Harry. What do you think? Am I crazy? Is this all for the greater good? See, the one hole that I can't seem to fill, if he did talk to Myrtle and has all this information that I assume he does, why didn't he try to go kill the Basilisk in the past 49 years? Maybe it has to do with Parseltongue uh, and him knowing or assuming that Parseltongue plays into um, how you can open the chamber and... I don't know. It seems in Half-Blood Prince that Dumbledore at least understands Parseltongue, or maybe he's just using context clues in the Gaunt memory scene to to know what's going on. That part has never been very clear in the fandom, but um, I'm looking forward to discussing it more in about six years when I finally get to covering that book. But um, I don't know. The, the why over the past 49 years, I think that we can chalk up to if that had happened we wouldn't have this book but either way let me know your thoughts what do you think of that theory in the next episode we'll dive deeper into the chapters foreshadowing character choices as well as what didn't quite make sense to me at least thanks for listening to the belated binge podcast explainiarmus it's time to disarm your reluctancy and explain how you can support this podcast. Belated Binge is a fully independent production. I read the books, write the script, record the episode, edit the recording, pick and produce the sounds, manage the content schedule, manage social media, promote the podcast, and feed producer Jack. Any costs from equipment to software to website development, marketing, any of that comes out of my pocket. And despite how many times I've been told we look alike, I'm no Harry Potter. No half giant has ever taken me to a bank full of cash and said, hey, you're rich. Having a podcast takes a lot and it's not easy. So your support is literally the only thing that keeps the show going. And there are a few key ways you can support the podcast. First, word of mouth is absolutely huge. If you enjoy the show, please tell every one of your Potterhead friends to give it a shot. Also, 
Many of the pod players now support a rating and review function. Apple, Spotify, GoodPods, Podchaser, just to name a few. And it takes about four seconds to leave a five-star rating on the app. This can be greatly impactful. If you have more than four seconds and the app that you're using supports written reviews, that's even better. Think about how reliant we are on reviews. Whether you're buying something new or deciding what book to read next, we're always looking at ratings and reviews to weigh into our decision. Podcasts are no different, and your positive review could be the difference in someone discovering the show and deciding to give it a chance. Another great way to support the show is engaging in the conversation yourself, whether it be answering the specific questions I pose during the show or on social media. Maybe you just have a theory of your own or you want to leave some feedback. I'd love to hear from you and maybe even share it on the podcast. You can submit your thoughts by leaving a voicemail on the website, belatedbinge.com. Just click the little leave a voicemail icon on the page that you visit. If you don't like the sound of your own voice, you can also respond in written form by using the contact form on the website, leaving comments or DMs on social media. My handle is belatedbinge across Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. And you can also email belatedbinge at gmail.com. The final and perhaps most impactful form of support is to become a patron on Patreon. I've made a ton of updates to Patreon membership benefits this season and some goals to shoot for as well. There are currently six tiers available designed to fit any budget level ranging from $1 to $20 with all the bells and whistles. So benefits range from early access to ad-free versions of the show, recognition on the website, bonus episodes, patron shoutouts, show prep notes, insider participation, bingey award participation, input on show content and future benefits, a drawing for a physical gift sent from me to you and others. I've also set some growth goals that'll unlock new benefits for existing tiers and maybe even adding some more stuff as we go. The first goal is to get 10 total patrons, at which point I will start a patrons discord server. However you choose to support the show, thank you. I truly appreciate it.